0: Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And we're going to talk about the people. We're not going to talk about the person until Sunday. I've moved that back. We're going to talk about the person and the passion of the, of the person that was, the whole story is about. But there's basically, as we've talked before, but we're going to look at a few more different things with it. There are some people that are told in the story. And um, as you look at the people that are involved of in the birth of Christ, you've got to look, of course, at Herod. You get to look at the scribes and the Pharisees. They're the some minor characters, but then you look at the some major characters would be the shepherds and the wise men, and then the most major people other than Christ himself was Mary and Joseph. We're going to look at those tonight, and I want you to see the people in this story. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Follow along with me. Actually, I'll read the first verse, and you can read the second and the fourth. I'll read every other verse, and just stay with me, and I'll read with you, but it, make sure you read out loud so I know where, you know where you're at. In, in Luke chapter 2, it says, and it came to In those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David." And to be taxed with Mary, his spouse, wife, being great with child. As we look at this story, of course, these different categories, we'll look at those in just a second. But the people around the person, around Christ, can impact us. Why are, people, why are there stories in the Bible about people? Because we can relate to what they, who they are and what they do. Is there some attributes of some of these people that you do? If I were to say who you were, out of all the people in the Bible, which one would people say, oh, they were so-and-so or they were so-and-so. They have this characteristic or that characteristics. In fact, when we study this, we're going to look at two aspects of all these people. In fact, one of them only has one, and you'll see that in just a second. But we're going to work, look at the words that describe the people. There's words in the Bible that describe these people, all these categories. But not only there's words that describes, there are actions that defined them, too. We can see words when we look at them and say, okay, that's it. Am I, do I have that attribute or I do, not, do I not have that attribute? If I say the word Herod, hopefully you don't, you don't fit in any category that he was in. You know, there, there's just some things, the Pharisees and scribes and the high priests. Sometimes I fit in that category. And so, and then there's some with Joseph. I feel like sometimes I fit in that category. Mary, there's some things that the Bible says, some words, but her actions define her. We're gonna look at the words that describe them and the actions that define them. And everybody in here, if I were to take, if I were to take Josh Estep and have him come up here, there'd be words that you would say this young man is right actions that you could back, be actions that you could back the actions that you could back up the words and that would also define who he is now every, every, everybody that says words about somebody they're not necessarily always true for instance if i were to take your mother if your mother was still alive and say tell me what you think of this son or daughter they would probably have rose colored glasses on some things oh they were the perfect child they're not even remembering your childhood when they say that and they did this, and they did that. There are so many things that we do or do not do that make us who we are. And so, words that describe them and actions that define them. Let's look at Herod. Let's get the two bad ones out of the way really quick. What are some words that define Herod? Let's go to um, Matthew chapter two. We're going to be jumping from Matthew to, to Luke. Matthew chapter two. How do you define the word that the man Herod? There's one word that defines him. That, that actually describes him, and the word is found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. And it said, "...as in Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth." This man had a temper. And I, and I will say this, when we read that, that little portion of Scripture, it almost sounds like he's mad at the wise men, so he does that to Jesus, but to the children. That's not why he did it to the children. He was mad temporarily at the wise men, but permanently at this Christ child. And so here the word wrath is in there. This is a word that describes him. It's exceedingly angered, enraged. You ever been there? You ever got upset? Now, we don't want to compare ourselves to Herod because he went to an extreme. Now let's think of some words. We see the words that describe him. In fact, this word this, it, that we just read it says, "In Herod, when he was he was exceedingly wroth." That's the only time that you'll find this word in the Bible. Defi- d- this word, this Greek word. That's the only time you'll find this wroth. You won't find it any other way, any other place in the Bible. So it really specifically goes to who Herod is. So let's look at some of his actions. The actions that define him. Go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3 through 8. You'll find that this is when Herod heard all these things and Jerusalem was troubled with him. And verse number 4, and it says when Herod, uh, in verse number 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ child should be born. It says, and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. Here's here's their answer to him. One One of his actions is he questions everything you got to give him, he's thorough with what he's doing. But he's questioning what's going on. And so that's one of his actions. Not only, if you were to say, what is the action that most defines Herod, what would it be? Well, let me read a verse, and then you can tell me what it is. Go to verse number um, 16. It says in this, and when Herod when he, when he was mocked of the wise men was exceeding the wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts therein from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. There's one action you can't get past when you look at Herod. And he's a murderer. He was a murderer. And, and I want to say this to you. When someone is in a position of authority like him and has the power that he had it's a very dangerous situation. So here you have the word. There's not very many good words. He's wroth. He's questioning everything. He wants to know everything. He's thorough and he's a murderer. So let's look at the, this. Let's go to the second one. Let's go to the, the high priest and the, scri- and the scribes. There's really not much said about them to define them by the words, but their actions, their actions will define them. And let's see what they say, what we know about them. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 5, and verses, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 says this. It says, And they said unto him, this is the scribes and the high priest, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Here, we, here they're either historians, their actions are, they study history, and know what's going to happen, or they are theologians. The high priest, you would think they were theologians. And so now you go to the next one, it says in verse number six, and now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. So now they, they not only know about where, he, where he's going to be born, but they know about that city. Now, when I was studying this out, and I was thinking about the, the, the words that describe them and the actions that define them, they knew about... From the prophecy, they knew the scriptures. They knew where he was going to be born, and they also knew what, a, lot, a lot about Bethlehem. Have you ever wondered about what they must have thought? See, I, I've been thinking about this all yesterday and today and on Saturday when I was looking at this. Have you ever thought about what they thought? Picture, if you will, they're in wherever they're at. They're in a room doing what high priests and scribes do. And all of a sudden, Herod comes in. And Herod is upset and all Jerusalem with him because these wise men and their entourages came in. They ask him a question. He he basically demands of them, tell me what you know about this. And what did they do? They direct, actually direct, the wise men in the right direction. They knew where he was going to be born. They knew who he was. They knew everything about him. After this verse... Do we hear any more about them? We don't. How many of you are um, curious? Okay, let's do this as a, as a Christmas thing. How many of you ever look for your Christmas presents? Let's be, just be honest with each other, okay? All right. You're curious about what you got. Now, Denver, I'm thinking this thing through, and I'm, I'm thinking, these Guys came in and Herod is the most powerful person there, and he asks them and demands them a question. They want them to answer. They answer and they answer truthfully, and the wise men go on their way. The curiosity would have would have killed me. I would have wanted to start looking for that star myself. We don't know if they did. We don't know if they didn't. But they're people just like us. And I'm not trying to imply that they went and saw Christ, but they knew where he was going to be born. They knew the lineage of him. They knew that he was going to go be born in Bethlehem because of the lineage of David. They knew from the Old Testament where, what was going to, ha- going to happen. And here someone comes in and they ask, where is this king of the Jews? And they tell him, and then you never hear any more about him. I wonder if they actually sought it out. Because this is what the Jewish people were looking for. And here's these wise men. All they know are these wealthy men are coming in and there's the king of the Jews Jews are, are being born. Where is he? We don't know anything more about them. All that we know is that they knew about the prophecies and they knew the city that he was going to be born in. If it was me, I'd be seeking it out. We don't know what they did. Are you very inquisitive on what's going on in your life? I always am. I want to know what's happening and why it's happening. And this was a the biggest event of history. Do you not think histo- historians and theologians would want to know about it? I don't know. But there's nothing more written about it. All we know is that we've got Herod in here and he's a murderer. He questions things. And he's also full of, he's got wrath in him. And then you have the, the, the um, chief priests. All, all they are is historians and theologians. Now you have the wise men coming on the scene. And what do we know about the wise men? What are some words we might use? Now one one of the words is not really mentioned. It's understood. Go to verse number three. It says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Talking about the the wise men talking to him. Go to verse number 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his, his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures. When you think of the wise men, what is one word that describes them, wealthy. They had money, they had money, they were wealthy. Here they bring these gifts, they've traveled from a long distance to see him. They had some money. Verse number 11, you see another thing that d- d- describes them, look at this, it says, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worship him. And when they, saw, when they opened their treasures, they presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Go back to this other thing. It says, and they fell down. And look at this. And what's the next word? Worship. They were worshipers. They saw Mary and they saw the child and they just fell down. This is a word that defines them. They were worshiping the Lord. Now, there's not anybody that we would go in to Awanas today and see a child. If Riley went into the Awanas and saw a child and fell down and then gave his most prized possession to those children, that'd be something, that that just wouldn't happen. But here you have these wise men come in and right when they see the child, they've sought the star, they get there, they see him and they start worshiping him. That's a great word. Worship. Do we worship the Lord when when, when we know he's there? Do we listen to him when he speaks to us? I'm telling you, when you look at this, it's amazing some of these words. You have wealth, you have worshiping. What's their actions that define them? Go to Matthew chapter two and verse number 12. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They were listeners and followers. This is an action that they did. If you go back to when you raised your children, do you remember when you told them something, they, didn't, they, they listened to you, but they didn't follow you? I remember one particular item in our family is, is we, we would tell the kids, this is what you got to do, do it the right way, and, and we're doing this to protect you. And, I, I, and I've shared this with you before, but one time we were looking out the window and they were climbing a six to eight foot fence. And my wife wanted to go out and get them and help them over it or bring them off of it. And I said, they're doing it. I had to hold her. I said, and I don't want you to say anything. They're going to learn the hard way. And I'll never forget these little kids climbing up this fence. And, and, and when they got to the top, and, the, and you got to understand, the gate was four feet away from them. And it was open. But they saw that fence that they wanted to climb it. And she wanted to go out and help them. And I said, no. We're, you say, well, you are abandoning your children. No, I was trying to teach them a lesson. It's easier to go through the gate that's open. And they got up and there's that, always that climbing time when they've got to go over to the other side. And they flip that leg over. And then the scary part is when they flip that last leg over. And they flip that last leg over. And, that, and you can see Megan was coaching my youngest one. Now just do it this way. Just do it this way. And so when they finally got down, you could, you could feel the air in the room that I was with with my wife just, just coming back to life. Because she was so concerned about the kids. But you know what? You can't sit there and guard the kids the whole time. You, got to, you want them to make the right decisions. You want them to listen to you and do it. And that's a great aspect of the wise men. Because who were they going against? See, we read this flippantly and we say, okay, they were just leaving and they were going home a different way. And there's a whole message that I have prepared to that. When you meet Christ, guess what? You'll go home a different way. And so here, they're, not, they're going home a different way and it's not easy the terrain and everything they had to go through but think about this. Who were they going against? Who are they going against? Someone tell me. Herod. Did Herod have power? Absolutely he had power. You can't say that he didn't because he goes out and he, he kills all these kids. You can't do that if you don't have power. So they go a different way and, they, and they're leaving and they're going against a man by the name of Herod. That we know, going back to the words he is, he's wroth. He gets mad very easily. He, In fact, he even said he got mad at the wise men. I wonder if he chased them at all. But God was protecting them also. And so when God told them, hey, go a different way, they were listeners and they were followers. That's a good thing. So now we've got the three. Now let's go to um, the big groups of people. We've already looked at the wise men. Look at the shepherds. What do we know about the shepherds? Let's look at some words that, that um, also describe them. Go to Luke. Now you're going to go back to Luke, Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to say, I'm going to read this verse. I'm going to see if you guys are paying attention. You tell me the two words that describe them in verse number 20. It says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. What are the two words that are actually found in this, chap, in this verse that, that are words that describe who they are? What is it? They were what? That's action. I'm looking for words, actual words in this. Look at this really quick. Glorifying and praising. Now these were just common folk. The angels come, one comes, and it's like, wow, this is neat. Oh, I'm scared to death. Then all the rest of them come. And it says they were glorifying, praising God. That's a word that describes them. They were just common people that saw an angel... But that angel led them to a Savior. And I still, in my belief, when I study this, they were there to show Mary she was right where she needed to be. It was a comfort to Mary because she's in a stable with a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and that's exactly what the shepherds tell her. But they're glorifying, praising. You know there's nothing wrong with glorifying, praising God. We as Baptists are scared to death we're going to turn Pentecostal. We've got it right, but there's nothing wrong with praise God. Well we can't we can't say amen too loud. Why can't we? Have you watched some of these sporting events? There's some crazy people that go to these sporting events. If I went to a sporting event and a guy in front of me had a hat on like some of these people do in sporting events, and I paid good money for my ticket, I'd be really upset about it. You see these big hats that these guys wear, you'd spend your whole, you'd get a crank in your neck trying to look around the guy. And they get so excited about a touchdown or a basket made. You know what? We've got a Savior that died for us. He was born in a manger for us. And all they saw, what were they glorifying and praising God about? That the story that the angels told them was true. That's it. They didn't see Him, Denver. They didn't see Him dying on a cross at this point. They didn't see Him healing anybody. They probably didn't know everything that was going on, but they got to see what the angels said, and they were glorifying and praising God. And guess what? We have more than the shepherds do, and we're quiet. There's no reason why we shouldn't be praising and worshiping who God is. These are words that that define them. Let's go look at the other ones. What are some actions? Actions that define them. Here, here Lindsay already told us, go go to verse number 15. It says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heavens. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. So the first thing is they're hearers. They listen to what they're listeners. They're doers. They all all of a sudden, the, the angels tell them to do this. And you know the story, angels tell them to do this and they go do it. They're hearers and they're doers. You know one of the biggest attributes about the shepherds? And we don't really think about it a lot. Go down a couple more verses. And here's the last thing. Go to verse number 17. And you tell me what the action is that they do in verse number 17 and 18. It says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all that they heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. What's the, what's the last thing that they did? They were, they were listeners and they were doers. And what were they, what, was, what would be a word that we would use? Pardon? They were witnesses. They were talkers. They were evangelists. Here they told everything. Look what we saw. Now, now, wait a minute. Think about this story. What did they see? Angels. Ray, I walk up to you and say, listen, I saw an angel and they talked to me. What are you going to think about me? So sometimes we don't think this story through. And, and then Ray goes, really? And then I'll go, wait a minute, Ray, you're not going to believe this. But there was a whole host of them. You know the only thing the shepherds had going for them? That there wasn't just one shepherd. They had someone to back up their story. And don't you think God thought that through? Well, that one little shepherd, he saw, he saw this thing. Did you hear what he saw? Can you believe what that shepherd saw? You know what? He would be an outcast of a shepherd. But here they see this and they talk about it and they praise God and they, they, they worship Him. That's a great thing to look at. That's a great aspect of what defines who they are. Now, let's look at the last two. We've got Joseph and Mary. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word Joseph? What is a word that describes Joseph that's found in the Bible? It starts with the letter J. He was a just man. Let's look and see this. Here's the word that you find him in. In Matthew chapter 1, go back to Matthew chapter 1, and it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 19, when the angel is speaking to him, he says, and Joseph, then Joseph her husband being a what? Just man. Isn't that a great thing? If someone walked up to you and said, you're a just woman or you're a just man. That's a great thing to say. The angel is, is saying this and thinking about it. It says, it says that he's a just one, not willing to make her public example, was minded to put her away privily. So here we have a just man. Now let me ask this question about him What's his actions that define him? If you go back to what I, what I told you about, there was the, the wise man had what? A star. The shepherds had what? They had angels. What did Joseph have? He had dreams. You know what Joseph was? He was a listener. We don't know much about Joseph, but we know he was a listener. Now, what's the opposite of a listener? A talker. Amen? But here, he's not really a talker. He's a listener. On how many accounts, let's see if you can remember this, how many accounts did he have a dream? Four. He had four dreams. Did you guess that wrong, Ann? All right, it's four, okay? I told You wrote this. You should know this. There's four, all right? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, you have the first one. Now, I'm going to read these, and we're going to have a quiz in just a second. I want to see if you can get this. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, the first angel, when he comes to sees him, says, "What? This woman that you're going to put away privily is a virgin that's going to have a baby." Okay. Now, let's go to the next one. The next time you find him having a dream is found in verse number 13. And when they had departed, behold, this is talking about the wise men. When he had departed, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Then he rose and he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. The next time you find it is found in verse number 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth unto him in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for they are that are dead, which sought the young child. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Uh, the next time you see him is uh, the next dream he has is found in verse number twenty-two and twenty-three, Luke chapter two again. Twenty-two says this. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came to dwell in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, let's go through those four dreams, and I I want to point out something to you. When God directs you, you better listen. God talks to you, you better listen. On the first dream, why did God tell him what was the big thing that he had to teach Joseph in the first dream? This is a hard one. What do he have to teach him? Go back to the first dream. What was it about? Mary being with child. He had to teach Joseph, watch this, obedience. He had to teach him obedience. He wanted Joseph to be obedient to what was going on. Okay? The second dream. The second dream was what? The wise men come, see the child, give him gifts, and they, and they leave. And then it says, and while they were leaving, he has a second dream. What's the second dream? About leaving Bethlehem, right? And going where? Egypt. What's the third dream about? Third dream was getting out of Egypt and going to... Bethlehem or Jerusalem and what was the fourth dream getting out of there and going up to what Nazareth Watch this the first dream was all about obedience The second third and fourth dream were all about what What would you declare the three dreams about think about this What Direction And there's a word that's really close to it. It's a direction, but why were you going that direction? Because God was trying to mm hmm them. Protect them. So watch this. When God speaks to you, He speaks to you because He wants you to be obedient. And sometimes He speaks to you to protect you. Isn't that great to hear? Sometimes we read these dreams and go, what in the world are they there for? One was there to protect him, to to teach him obedience. And by the way, the obedience that he was trying to teach him was a miracle upon miracles, the biggest miracle ever on the face of this earth. Your wife's going to have a baby and she's a virgin. That's never happened before and never will happen again. Teaching him obedience. Teaching him to obey God when it doesn't make sense. The last three are there to protect him. Do you not think God knows how to protect you? Absolutely He does. And how does He do that? He does it through His Word. He does it through preaching. He does it through song services. He does it through people. You're not going to have a dream tonight and God's going to say, hey, you need to do this or that. But He's going to do it in other ways. Aren't you glad that God teaches you obedience? As a parent, how did you like it when your children disobeyed you? In front of other people hello do you remember that didn't that make you feel wonderful oh man I just loved it when my kids disobeyed me no something about obedience and then there was times as a parent you know what I was doing I was protecting them just like God does and here you have, the, the, the great aspect of this is the word that, that describes him and the actions that define him all go together. You know why he could understand obedience and he could understand protection? Because he was a just man. He was a just man and understood both of them. So here you have that. Now let's go to the last person. Mary's an interesting one to study because we have religions that worship her. And there's nothing here other than what she was before she had the baby that you you could say, okay, she was something. But God used her aspect of her lifestyle to make her who she needed to be. Let's look at some of these. If I were to ask you on Mary, what are some words? There's a lot of words that describe Mary. The first one I think is pure. Let's go to Luke chapter um, 1. I'm going to be in Luke for her. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26 and 27. It says in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. It doesn't say the word pure, but it defines it in its own words. So we have the word pure. And then the next thing we have is she was highly favored. Go to verse number 28. The very end it says... Um, Uh, In the middle, it says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. (laughs) That's, That's a great word. Angel comes to me and says, Hey, you're highly favored. That's a good thing. So she's highly favored. And not only is she highly favored, look at the very end of this. Not only is she highly favored, she's blessed. And aren't we all blessed in here? Praise God, we are blessed. I mean, when we don't, when we have this. Amount, large amount of snow, we can still be thankful for who we are. We all had houses that we could stay warm in, even if the power went off, amen? We've got we've to understand we're blessed. In verse number 28, look at the verse of 28. Blessed art thou among women. Her, her cousin would turn around and say the same thing to her. So she heard it from an angel, she heard it from a person. Go to verse number 30. I think this is good. It says, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with what? God. See, he didn't just go out and just randomly pick somebody. He knew who she was going to be because he knew who she was. And these words that all describe her she's pure, she's favored, she's highly fav- favored, she's blessed. And the last thing I like about her, and this is kind of one you got to look at in verse number chapter two and verse number 19. This is something that really is a word that really describes her. In verse number 19, it says this it says, But Mary kept all these things, and what's the next word? Pondered. It tells me that she's a thinker. The word ponder defined is this think about something carefully, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. She wasn't one that was like, oh, yeah, I just know how great I am. That's not who she was. She was pondering everything that was going on in her life because it meant a lot to her. And she, if you just go through the steps of who, everything Mary went through and you just see God just opening a lot of things up to her. And then I would say this, if her actions, we have words that describe her, that's pure, highly favored, blessed, favored with God, and she's, she pondered. Actions that define her is found in Luke chapter 2 and 1 through 5, and we already read it, and I think this is very important, that Mary, with all these things, she was a follower. She followed Joseph. Now, wait a minute. Think about this. Mary had angels talking to her. Joseph had a dream. Which one do you think is bigger? To me, the angels are. But she didn't, you you never get this from Mary that I know better than you. If you read Luke chapter 2, 1 through 5, what is Luke chapter 2, 1 through 5 all about? Them going to pay their taxes. She followed Joseph where she needed to go. You say, why is that so important? Because the baby was going to be born in Bethlehem. And if the baby wasn't born in Bethlehem, the Old Testament was wrong. And so by her following what Joseph go, does, she is showing that she is somebody that can be respected. She is that blessed person. She is the one that's blessed among women. She is the one that is highly favored. She is the one that's pure. She's the one that's the thinker, the ponderer. And the last thing, and I want you to go to this last verse and we'll be done. When I was thinking about Mary, there's one particular verse that really amazes me. She was not looking for this position. She did not say, here I am Lord, take me, I'll be the one you need. And that's part of the reason God chose her. But I want you to go to one last verse and I want you, to, if you're underlining anything in your Bible, not only was she a follower, but she was a listener. I want you to go to Luke chapter one and I've never looked at this verse like I've looked at it before. Luke chapter 1, and I want you to read this verse and follow along. I'll read it. Just read it it silently as I read it, and I want you to see what I saw. In verse number 38, after this angel has told her everything, what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what's going to do, and she has all these questions, and and the the angel's answered all these questions, watch what what happens. Her response. See, we have a lot of responses. Let, Let me ask you this. When you think about Moses... When God called Moses to do something, what did he say? I can't do that. I can't talk in front of people. David was but a youth. Timothy was but a young preacher. Jonah didn't want to go where God wanted him to go. Mary hears this whole story, and she knows the Old Testament. She knows she's the one. And watch her response to what the angel says. The angel has just got done talking to her. The angel has said this in verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now watch these next little bit of these next verses. I think there's eight words. Let it be unto me according unto thy word. And the angel departed from her. Why'd the angel depart? Because the angel knew she had been listening and she understood it. And she said, whatever you said, I will believe. And the angel left. She was a listener. And that's a powerful statement, those little words that she said. Be it unto me, bring it upon me according to what you said, according to thy word. That's an incredible statement to hear. What a great thing to say that she was not only a follower of Joseph, Pregnant going to get this, this taxes paid, she was a listener. She listened to everything. And you know what, as a, as a Christian, it's all right to question why God does something, Denver. It's all right. Russ, it's all right to question it. It's, it's all right to say, why is this going on? What's going But at the very end of it, you just got to accept it. I don't know why things do what they do, why God does what he does. I don't know why things happen the way they do. But we have a God that's in control of it. He knows exactly what you need every step of the way. You think about this story. You have Herod. He fulfilled something in the Old Testament. The scribes and the high priests knew what was going on in the Old Testament. The the angels just. made people go and directed them where they needed to go. The wise men gave them opportunity to travel. The shepherds were there to encourage Mary and Joseph. And Joseph was a man God had chosen because of the lineage of David. We see it going to Bethlehem. And Mary was a pure woman, highly respected. And she looked and she said, listen, I will follow the man that you give me. And I will listen to what you say, Lord. Whatever you say, I'll do. See, your words will describe you. And your actions will define you. And all six of these people, we have attributes from all of them, don't we? Sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get upset. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we know what the Bible says, just like the scribes and the high priests, and sometimes we don't want to listen to it. So, all these are attributes that we can look at and say, Thank you, Lord, for all the people that are found in the scriptures.